Welcome everyone to Fergo and the Freak. This is episode 310 and I have a very special guest. It's Jessica Dunn. How are you, Jessica? Good, how are you? I'm very, very, very good. Um, you, you know why. I don't need to tell you. We're just flying at the top of the ladder. But today, we're not talking about winning. We're talking about the Newcastle Knights. And you've got some thoughts on the Newcastle Knights this season, I believe. I know. I know you've been waiting for this. I know you've been waiting for me to be back, so I'll have this moment. Yeah. I've basically... I've basically been prodding you on Twitter, like, oh, this is a bad loss. Oh, this is a bad one. You need to talk about this. And so now we've got to this point. And it's been a weird season for the Knights because I felt like they were going to be really, not really, really good this year, but I felt like they could be like maybe sixth or seventh on the ladder. At least competitive. Yeah, yeah. They felt like they were building to something and not – not anything huge, but it just felt like they were going to make a step. And it's weird. Their off-season started with all the drama about Mitchell Pearce. We won't go too much into that but because everyone knows what happened there. And he had the captaincy taken off him. And then we start the season and he gets injured very early in the season. And on top of all of that, their performances just feel like this there's something missing or something going on. What do you feel like is happening with this season? It just feels lazy. Like everything yeah. they do is lazy. Mm-hmm. And it's so infuriating to support a team that was built on, you know, hard graft and the the, you know, the that ge- the generation of players who gave it all and it just doesn't feel like anyone on the field for the Knights at the moment do that. Yeah. They roll over. Yeah, they really do. And, like, I mean, if I was to say to you, who in this team really feels like they've been putting in week in, week out, you start to think of, like, two or three players maybe? I would put, like, Mitch Barnett up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he's, uh, he's probably – sometimes the only one holding a game together. Mm-hmm. Maybe Connor Watson, just because he I think he's played every position on the park so far this season. Mm. Um I feel like he's just if if it wasn't for him, he'd be we'd be in a lot more trouble. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, then it does really start getting difficult. You might have a player who has one good game or a good half, but other than that, it's yeah, it's been a bit diabolical is a word I like to use. Yeah, and, like, you brought up an interesting thing about Connor Watson, and he feels like, I mean, without him, I think the Knights are in a lot more trouble because he's been all over the park. I don't know how he could, I mean, he must turn up to training on a Monday and be like, where am I playing this weekend? Oh, yeah. All right, I'll try fullback, you know. Um, and it, it's weird that, I just think it's a little bit weird that a first-grade team is having to rely on somebody to be that versatile. You'd feel like that they should really have players that they can bring in. I know they tried Tex Hoy. I'd like, uh, do you rate Tex Hoy? I don't really rate him. I, I've been really disappointed in, in Tex Hoy this season. He was a player I was really excited for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we you know, had a glimpse of him last season and he, he looked good uh, for such a young age in his first season, but it's just, yeah, it's just not worked. Um, with him, maybe it's he just needs a few more years. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think he's only what like eighteen or nineteen. Mm. Um, you know, maybe he just needs a few more years. And the same with Phoenix Crossland, another one who just just hasn't had it for me this season. Yeah. And that and I think that's where Connor Watson comes in and that he's sort of picking up the slack for uh that lack of experience and I don't want to say lack of ability, but that's what it does feel like sometimes. Yeah, and it, like I think when you look at this team, I think Tyson Frizzell's been not too bad. Like I don't think you could look at him and say that he's been a really disappointing buy. He's kind of he's been playing, I think, a little bit better than he did last year for the Dragons. But if you look at the overall forward pack, I think the forward pack has been an abomination this year. Like lazy. Uh, soft, um, David Clemmer, I don't know what's happened to his football, but he went from being a a test player to he just doesn't even stand out in this pack. No, it's, yeah, that's probably been the biggest shock for me is Clemmer. Clemmer was always someone you could rely on to stand up and, you know, get angry and and steamroll. But it's just, yeah, like you said, it's just not happened this season. He's just, he's, um, he's, not it feels like there's been like not as many offloads or trying to he just sort of gets the ball and runs at his closest defender and takes a tackle that's it he's never because he was like leader in post-contact meters and everything last season and doesn't feel like we've had that at all no not at all um Callan Ponga has been injured a lot and they're a different team when he's on the field um when he's not there they look like no hopers. I, and I like, I love Callum Pong, right? Like, do you think he's a superstar? Cause I think he's a superstar. I think, I think he's a superstar. I think, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's just been ruled out for the game against Seagulls. And, you know, it's like, Oh God, do I even want to watch this game? Because Did they rule him out. He's just been ruled out this morning. Oh, I, did, I haven't read that. See, I'm looking at the NRL website and they've got him in the team. Oh, no, man. he got he's with his um, I think a gro- continuing groin injury. Wow. Uh, which also puts him in doubt for uh, first origin. But uh, which, as a New South Wales fan, I'm totally fine with. Good. Um, <laughs> if you had have said you're a Queensland fan after no. what we talked about before the podcast, I was going to be really disappointed. I'm not going to say what we were talking about before the podcast, but geez, because I can't, because now you've got dirt on me. But anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, and you look at the rest of the Knights team and think, where the hell does our creativity come from? Where the hell are points coming from? Because it's very hard to find. And yeah. you just, you imagine, I think, Last season, he towards the end of the season, he choked a little bit at the end of last season, but I think that was a, because there was a lot of pressure on him mm-hmm. uh, to perform and and it was the realisation that he really was where the points were going to um, be found. But this season, he's just been – his injuries this season have just been awful uh, and our position on the ladder sort of reflects that. Yeah, and like I'm, I'm really concerned about how often he's getting injured. Not, I feel like it is to do with him playing at fullback. I weirdly think he would get less injured playing at five eighth because, and I've said this on the podcast before. If you look at most of the fullbacks in the NRL, they're they're pretty big human beings, and Callan is a, a slighter player. He's more along the lines of a a little bit bigger than a Jonathan Thurston. 
And yeah. I just feel as though when he plays fullback, he gets beaten up just by taking, you know, high kicks and stuff like that. And I feel as though, um, weirdly, he would be a lot better if he was playing in the defensive line and, you know, not not taking those hits where he's jumping in the air and, and running the ball back and things like that because he's 100% he's got the ability to play 5-8. There's no doubt about that. Um and I wonder if that is something that Adam O'Brien will be thinking about going forward because, you know, this is a young man that the Knights can literally, they will build their club around. And if they become a great team in the next five to 10 years, you see Kalen Ponga being their star player. But, you know, as it is right now, it feels like he's getting bashed out of the game. It it And I it feels like it's a weakness that, other teams have spotted because you look at some of the hits he gets and the, anytime anyone goes near him, you can sort of hear the crowd go, please, please don't hurt him. Yeah. Um, but I also, if the Knights rush him back from injury because they're so aware of his importance mm-hmm. that maybe he could do with like another week or two off uh, just to really make sure he's at a hundred percent, but he's been brought back because we really have no one else. Mm. Would you be against them saying, look, your injury is going to keep you out for three weeks. We're going to keep you out for, consider, and this is considering the way the night season's going overall. If they said to him, we're going to keep you out for six weeks and we want you to start putting on weight, we're going to get you healthy and then we're going to put you through a, a weight regime where you're going to start to build yourself up so that by next year's season start, you're maybe eight kilos bigger. We're going to put you into five-eighth. And maybe it being detrimental to this season, but looking ahead, because he signed that new contract, it, they're saying we're going to have you as five-eighth next year. Would you be against that? I don't No, I don't think so. I think this season is gone. Um, and anything, anything that could improve, hopes for next year I'd be totally for it would be something I would like as a fan I'd seriously consider being Mm -hmm. happy with because yeah they they need to do something he's too he's yeah he's too slight I think is uh, Max Lomax at the uh, Dragons he was one of those like really slight players who put on weight and his game has improved yes yes um immensely he's he's uh a real powerhouse now, in my opinion, uh, to see something like that happen with Ponga would, I think, for the future of, for his for his playing future and for the Knights to really become this super club or whatever they want in the next five years, they need to look at the long game. Yeah, because, like, even if you took away, say he lost 10% of his athleticism and his athleticism is top shelf, but yeah. if he lost, say, 10% of that athleticism he's he's got the football sense i feel like to to be such a good playmaker that i think he would just it would work i think it would work for him and he's a tall guy like it's not like he's a short guy but he's just built differently and i feel as if they chucked a bit more weight on him and look i think the the team they're playing this weekend the the uh seagulls Tom Trebojevic is the same sort of build. He's very slight. And once again, he gets injured all the time. All the time. You know, and I, I feel like there's something in that. Maybe I, maybe it always looks worse when they get tackled as well, just because they're all limbs. They just look like they crumple more. 
Yeah, there's that possibility, hey? <laughs> <laughs> it's just because it just it just looks like the impact is a lot worse because there's a lot more to curl in. But yeah, can you can you can you get up to the hunter and uh, coach, please? <laughs> <laughs> I just they just need to get both of them together and just take them out for lunch. They just keep buying them food, and they're like, what are we here for? And it's like, never mind that. Just keep eating. Just keep, eating. Just keep eating, please. Yeah. So, uh, but, yeah, that's something to think about. Now, another player that's been injured a lot this season, and it feels like his season hasn't started off at all, has been Bradman Best, who at times looks like he could be – like there, there are sometimes in the game, if you said to people they should name him for New South Wales, you'd be like, yes, definitely. And then other times you're like – Oh, he's he's playing, is he? I didn't even realise yeah. he's out there. And then other times it's like, how is he limping again? Like, yeah. what's going on? He's huge. Why is he getting hurt? What are your thoughts on Bradman Best? Uh, I think he's another one. He's only like 18, 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, re- I will reserve uh, making a final decision on him, I think, for another year or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he did, he was... He, very much burst onto the scene. But it also feels like the Knights get to a point where they just throw him the ball and say, do something as well. Yeah. yeah. And like set him up for failure. Yes. And all their hopes rest on his very broad shoulders. But there's, there's never a point where you say, oh, wow, Bradman Best was on the end of a really good pass or a really good play there. It's like, oh, Bradman Best had to throw three players to the ground to do anything. Yeah. And and it is. I feel sorry for him in that sense, but, like, I – he feels – it's weird. There's always these Newcastle players that they've had over their history where they've been, like, possible rep players and they have just always been injured. Yeah, and I, I, I sort of wonder if that is because of just the, such a heavy reliance on them because we may only have one or two, dare I say, superstars or players who could be superstars and the team just relies on them and they get, you know, they get brought back from injury too early or they just get overworked because that's because they're the only ones doing anything. Mm-hmm. But, I yeah, I will reserve judgment on Bradman Best until he plays like at least two games in a row. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see him and you expect him to be there the next week. It's like, oh, no, he's injured again. Never mind. Yeah, he just can't get going this season. Now, uh, I know you've been ready to have a chat about this bloke. Blake uh, Grant. Blake uh, Grant retired this week. And have you got some thoughts on Blake Grant? I... I don't want to be too harsh. Just because, do it. No, because my, my harsh my harshness comes from just anger at the club and the team in general, not specifically at Blake Green, although he did not help the situation in the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. He, like, he came to the club last season when we were in dire straits and he only played, like, was it two and a half games or something before he got injured? And considering we didn't have a spine left, he was he he really was a godsend and he played well and I think there was a lot of hope that he would resurrect our season and and I think night turns were very receptive to him as well. Mm-hmm. Which is the other thing. If you can if you can turn up and show that you're here to play, night turns will welcome you very quickly. And then he got injured 
and he just has not been the same player this season. And when, you know, see Pierce is out and Kalen's been out and we've been playing 12-year-olds uh, in key positions, <laughs> there was a lot of pressure on Blake Green and he just didn't deliver. Yeah. And if, if you talk to any Knights fans and, like, we can tell you how a set's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We'll take the five tackles. Our forward pack won't do anything. And if we do manage to hold on to the ball, because we do like to drop it, uh, Blake Green will then kick it to the opposing fullback on the 10-meter line. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like, that's just how it goes. There isn't just nothing else going on. Yeah, and, it, like, that was the thing. They, they kind of got him to be an experienced head, you know, have a, a decent kicking game and, you know, guide the team around the field. And <clears throat> that's what I felt this season was that his kicking game was was not very good at all. Yeah. And, and we wasn't guiding them around the field. No, we had, like, we had Mitchell Pierce, who that's his MO, is just put it up in the air mm. uh, and it lands in the same spot every time. Yeah. And so... There was, I don't want to say relief when he got injured, but there was a little bit of belief that, okay, maybe things will change because we lost Pierce but got Green back. Yeah. And then nothing changed. Yeah. Green just did the same thing, the same thing we've had for the last couple of years where there's just no creativity on that last play. Mm. And we don't cause other teams any problems. No, and like that, I feel like that's why Ponga is so... Um, so important to this team because, like, you would have Pierce wouldn't be that creative. But then you could get it, at least get it to Ponga and he might do something out wide. And, yes, it's always going to be on the left-hand side every single time. But at the very least on that left-hand side, they were a little bit dangerous. Whereas when you don't have Ponga there, it's like, well, what are we doing? Okay, just kick it to the fullback and there's – Nothing else going on. There's no questions being asked of the opposition. They know that, you know, the Knights aren't going to spin it wide on the last. There's not going to be a little chip kick. There's nothing else is going to happen except it's either going to be hoofed up in the air or just kicked down to the fullback for a long kick. Yeah, and that's one of the most infuriating things about watching the Knights mm. is it's, it's boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's boring and you don't you don't get the chance to get excited over something because it's it's just, you know, tackle, play the ball, go again. Tackle, play the ball, go again. Oh, we've kicked it. That's it. Yeah. And then yeah. you watch other teams play us and, you know, they're all just targeting our right side because, well, yep. Um, <laughs> there's only so much anger one person can have. Um, <laughs> and, and, yeah. Like last last week against the Cowboys, that right side was just diabolical. Terrible, so terrible. Um, yeah, too, oh, no, I can't go there. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to take you into the weeds. I'm trying to take you to that place. <laughs> How the hell? Too long he got a hat trick in 50 minutes because he just kept going at the right side. Like y'all didn't learn. Yeah. He just, didn't learn. You just drifted in 15 meters off the sideline. Oh, what do you think's gonna happen? <laughs> oh man. So okay. So you talked about Pierce and when you lost Pierce and and that there was, and I understand what you mean. It felt like there was a chance for the Knights to 
because while Pierce was there, there was a feeling like there's something hanging over the team. And here's a chance that we haven't got Pierce now and we're not going to have him for a long time. Maybe we can do something different. And I actually talked about the fact that there might be a chance that by the time Pierce come back from his injury, that the club would have moved on on the field, you know, and, and yeah. basically been able to say, look, Mitchell, we've found our next halves pairing or we've got a combination that's working and maybe you should look elsewhere at this point. That doesn't feel like it's happened at the moment. Do you think that with the loss of Green and the fact that no one else has really stepped up into that to that role, that Pierce is now weirdly a play that you've kind of got to build around a little bit, at least in the short term? Yeah, it, it's... It's a never-ending story because I feel like we've been here before, mm. but you we finally think, okay, maybe, you know, maybe, as you said, this is the chance to move on without Pierce because he's, I mean, he's probably only got another season or two left in him, really. Mm. And, and I was like, oh, well, no, now we're relying on him coming back to hopefully give us a spark for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. um, even though we know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, which is the same as what's been happening for the last four years. Mm-hmm. And I think the other the other player I've been concerned about this season has been Kurt Mann. Yep, yep. Uh, because for me last year, he was our player of the season. Yes. I thought he was brilliant. He really stood up when shit hit the fan with our spine. And he was he was fantastic. And he just, he's been a shell of himself this season. And I don't understand why, because he's, for the most part, he's been in his favoured five-eighth position, mm-hmm. uh, and he just, yeah, it just, again, nothing's really come of it. He, I don't, I don't understand, and I'm trying to like, it, it says a lot about the Knights that I'm genuinely going, who is our fight? And I've, we've got Jaden Braley as well. Yeah, like, and he's he must be really the. I mean, he is the future of the club. He's been named captain, and he looks really good. But he kind of goes missing a little bit, in, and it's not his fault. But when he's playing behind a, a pack that has just got no punch at all, they're not getting over the advantage line at all. Anything he does, he has to kind of create himself yeah. completely. And yeah. he, like, if you put him in, like, if you put him in any top team, if you put him in any team. Like, you could put him on the New Zealand Warriors. He would look like a, an absolute game-breaker. Put him in the Parramatta team, he'd be ridiculous. Put him in the Panthers team, he'd be undefeated, but that's another story. Um, he, <laughs> so arrogant. Um, he, he's been a, a bright light for the Knights, but he hasn't really been able to show more because the, the pack is so bad and there's no creativity. And if you just look after your defence around the ruck, what are the Knights going to do to you? Exactly. exactly. It just didn't go anywhere. And like like you said, it's not like his fault. Mm. He's he's the one who's passing off hoping something happens. And, yeah, it's just it's just a tough watch because you look, there's just nothing happening all over the park. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it sucks. Um, it's, it's, like, it's one of those things you can't, like, break down a certain area because it's just all bad. 
that and that's the thing. It's like right across the park. And then, like you, as I said, you get to the bright the bright lights in the you know the the team season, and it's like well. When Callum Ponga plays, he looks really good, but he's hardly playing. Bradman Best looks big and strong until he's not playing. And Jaden Braley's playing behind a, one of the softer packs in the competition this year. And outside of that, it's like, well, you know, Connor Watson is on track to play every position that's <laughs> ever been made in rugby league. We're just going to make a few more up for him as well at this yeah. point. I want to see him named as the 18th man so he can say, I literally played one to 18 in a 17-man game. It would be great. Don't joke about that because the Knights would manage to do that. Oh, poor Con. I really feel sorry for Connor Watson. Like, I, I've seen him, like, there's games where I've turned it on and I'm like, he, he's playing fullback? What's going yeah. on? Like, it's just so weird. And I'm sure that's not why he went to the Knights. No, and it'll be interesting to see if he does play fullback this week because now that Kalen's been ruled out, mm-hmm. Tex Hoy's on the extended bench, so I imagine he'll come in. Mm-hmm. But who will get the who will get the nod? Will it be Connor off the bench or Tex? <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. he may have a, the starting – he may have the number one jersey against the Eagles. The Eagles. <laughs> I don't know what I want more for him. Like, I, I feel like – I want him to just stay on the bench. So at least he's coming on the field and he's playing more of a position that he would play rather than being a fish out of water at fullback. Like, he has to be their – he should win their clubman of the year this year, 100%. He, he has to. Agreed. Now, the coach. Uh, you get him in, lots of fanfare, and he's the coach of the future. Their first season – it all looks pretty good. They definitely improve on what Nathan Brown had been doing. This year, they feel aimless. Is that a worry for you? Yeah. it's What was a worry for me was, uh, I think it was after the Titans match where we went up there and got battered again. Mm-hmm. And he just sounded so defeated mm. in his post-match press conference. He he, you know, was talking about a culture of losing at the club and and that there were problems. And he was like, as the coach, that's you know my job to sort it out. But he didn't sound convincing yeah. at any point. He just sounded really defeated, like he he didn't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. And that's not not great as a fan watching that. Going, this is the guy who you know we're relying on, we're paying to fix these problems. And he doesn't look like he has a clue. Like, where do we go from here? You know, the thing that worried me about about O'Brien, and it was, it must have been four games into the season, and it was like the third game where they'd had footage of him throwing stuff in the dressing room and blowing up. And I understand it. Like, I totally get it. Because when you watch this Knights team, that's all you want to do is, like, say... Mm-hmm. Can somebody wake up? Does anybody want to be here? What is wrong with you? Like, is has anyone got any personal pride? But there's only so many times you can do that as a coach. And it feels like he did that. They didn't respond whatsoever. And it's like, okay, what's what's plan C? Yeah, I can't, I can't remember which game it was because they've all been pretty bad. Mm. But it was, it was after, it was, they had vision of him uh, 
like losing at the team at halftime in his halftime talk. He was furious. Mm-hmm. And then the players came out and nothing had changed. Yeah. And, like it's exactly like you said, well, what, where do you go from there? If the players still can't manage to G themselves up after that. Mm-hmm. And like, you look at that, you look at the team and I, I understand they are a, like a young team. Some, there's like a, there's a weird, there's like you're either like at the end of your career, or at the beginning of your career with the Knights, mm-hmm. if you look at the team cause, and but in key, in like those key creative roles as well. Yeah. And, but still looking at them, particularly like Crossland and Hoy, you, you look at them and think, okay, do, are we, are we going to be able to rely on these guys in five years? Will they become a great player? Uh-huh. This vision that we've got of you know contesting the top four, and I I don't I don't know I don't know I don't I don't have that belief in them. Yeah, and you know the the problem is that if they don't end up if they don't end up finding something because you watch them and like a lot of them you you're waiting for it to happen. Yeah. And if they don't find that extra thing, if it doesn't click for them or for whatever reason, they have an off-season where they come in and it's like, oh, they got it, you know? Yeah. Then all of a sudden you've got this team where the forwards are all ageing out because the forwards you would have thought would have been their strength. but the Exactly. Forwards... That was where – Sorry, was go where, on. Like, hope... I was going to say that was like where you hope, like, you look at it on paper and you go, these guys are going to steamroll everyone. There's, like, representatives all over the board. I think pretty much all of them have, like, at least played for their state. Mitch, ironically, I think like Mitch Barnett, has he had a call up to Origin? But he uh, has he had. I don't know if he has. I don't think he has. Lucky Fitzgibbons played for Queensland, the Saifidi brothers at New South Wales, Clemmer obviously, Frizzell, and then like you look at Mitch Barnett, and he's the only one doing anything. Yeah, yeah. It, but if and, the, like, and when they all age out, and if you get to that point where all of these young players that you can't hope, and if they don't pan out. That kind of leaves the club at square one again, and they can't yeah. afford to do that. And we like Knights have a habit of holding on to players, and because all they think of is Jared Mullen, mm-hmm. who was like I remember when he was coming through after Joey Johns, which admittedly a possibly the biggest boots to fill in the game, mm-hmm. and he was you know he was. 19 or something coming through and he was slated as being you know the next joey johns it's going to be all right we've we've got mullen um you won't even notice the difference and it just like it just didn't work and he was a dead weight for so long for the Knights. Mm -hmm. and i know it all went horribly wrong for him but there was a bit of a relief when he he was forced out because there was no like it didn't ever feel like the knights would let him go until they were forced to and like fans were like, okay, thank God we can move on now, mm. because they just hold on to players. And if you know, as brutal and as cutthroat as it sounds, if these players don't pan out, these younguns that we've got coming through now, like we have to make that decision to to move on and to change directions. We can't just going keep hoping that it will work because we did that ten years ago and it didn't work. And it it almost feels like that is wrapped up with the uh, Pierce situation in that, like, Pierce is going to get you to a point, 
And I think he got the Knights to the furthest he could get them, which was not a terrible, terrible, terrible team. And he did that job, and he did the job yep. that they wanted them to. But then you've got to say, okay, we're targeting, and it, it like almost anyone, like he, he's maybe not the ideal candidate, but a Mitchell Moses or mm. somebody along those lines here can say his upside is going to be higher and he might take us somewhere new because we want to go somewhere new, but they can't let go of the security blankets at the night. Yeah. yeah. Like we limped into the finals last year. Yeah. And then were brutally kicked out of them. Yeah. And and it's yeah, that was that was like you said, off the back of Pierce doing his best. Mm. Whereas we need someone young enough that we can then build a team around who isn't going to decline rapidly at towards the end of their career. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the other the other thing, you may bring someone in at, you know, at the end of their peak and then we only have them as they, you know, taper off into retirement, which seems to also be our MO. Yeah, that's true. You know, get somebody that's got like one and a half okay seasons left in them, but you sign them for three years. Yeah, which is <laughs> unfortunately what we where we went with Blake Green. Although I I I would also argue that his injury probably played because it was, it was quite a serious injury he had. Yeah, yeah, especially at his age too. Yes, yes. Like I, I, I was very critical of him as a player for quite some time, but you can't overlook the fact that that's a, I mean, that's a hard injury for a 20 year old to get over, let alone someone at his point of his career. And look, I, you've got to give him credit that he's gone to the club and said, I, I can't get there anymore. I can't get to that yeah. level anymore. And everyone's just like moved on it. I think that that's a good thing for everyone involved. I think, yeah. And like, as, you wonder how much he does see what the fans say and things, and particularly because Newcastle is such a bubble. Mm. Like, if you live in Newcastle, you can't escape the Knights. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's it, as a fan, it was a bit of relief that he's put up his hand and said, I can't do it anymore because the Knights would have held on and kept playing him, and it would have just been the same story. Yeah, the old Jared Mullen scenario. <laughs> Oh. Although I do hear that, uh, you know, people in Newcastle miss Jared Mullins' distribution. So, anyway. Um, now, the, <laughs> the, the, Knights, the Knights CEO made a statement on the Knights' website and everything's fine. Everything's great. It's great. It's fantastic. What did you think about that? <laughs> it just, I don't think it made me laugh yeah. because... Uh, if like it just shows you how fickle football is and how fickle sport is because mm. one of the things they really pushed home was how uh, finance financially stable the club was and how we're one of the most profitable teams in the game mm. and like still we were scoffing at that but if you yeah. asked us you know during the Nathan after the Nathan Tinkler era <laughs> when we were about to be sunk and we didn't know if we were going to have a club the next season yeah. If you had said, okay, don't worry, in 2021 you're going to be the most profitable teams, we would have, like, bit your arm off. Yeah. Because we would have been so excited. Yeah, the, the state of the team and when we are on the ladder, we're like, no, we don't care. We don't <laughs> care about the money. 
And like when he said that, because you, you sent me the article and he didn't even say much about it. You were just like, oh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and yeah. I, I read it and I'm like, okay, I, I feel like this is – I feel like the Knights don't jump out at me as a team that is making heaps of money. And I know their crowds are really good and they've got some pretty good sponsors and things like that. But it's not like you look at them like, say, a South Sydney where they've got all of these giant sponsors on their on their jersey and you kind of can see where they're making a lot of money. I And I, I kind of read it as like the overall group that owns the Knights is in a good financial position, not necessarily yeah. the Knights itself. Yeah, we're owned by West. Yeah. Um, which is fantastic. Also, our major sponsor is um, one of, I don't know if he's the CEO, but he's quite high up in the company, is the dad of Lockie Fitzgibbon. Oh, okay. Um, little That's fun awesome. fact for you. So, I'm, like, I wonder how the Knights got that sponsorship. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's it's just, they. one of the things he said as well was the Knights want to be, the team that from the central coast to the Queensland border mm-hmm. that everyone in that area quite a large area to mm-hmm. support and I know this is sounds very weird coming from a Sydney-based night supporter um but like that's that's not what the no like what Novacastrians want yes <laughs> we don't care about people who support the Knights who live seven hours away yes Yes, I thought that as well. <laughs> it's like, no, it's like it's Newcastle. Because it wasn't there. I, I don't know if I hallucinated this or what, but there was a time where they did want to remove Newcastle from Newcastle Knights. Ooh, like, I can't remember that. Oh, man, that wouldn't have been very long. Like they, Yeah, it was. And like, like I said, I don't know if that was just a really bad dream um, because <laughs> these people haunt my dreams. Um well, you look but, at the Hunter Mariners, like the Hunter Mariners turn up during Super League in Newcastle and Newcastle's like, fucking Hunter? What? Yeah. That's not <laughs> us. Yeah. We, we can't include like Cessnock. Yeah. Yeah. Like if the if the Knights CEO come out and said, we want to make Gosford our own, Knights fans would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> And particularly, particularly when you look at other sports, and I'll go to the A-League, where like one of the big derbies in the game is the F3 derby between the Central Coast Mariners and the Newcastle Jets, yeah. and then just turn around in another sport and go, actually, we're going to like join with the Central Coast and be one happy family. Could you, what yeah. would the F3 derby be like? like I was sitting next to you in the same colours last week. It's not going to happen. And the idea that like everything to the border – and all I could think of was, like, all of these players that are in northern New South Wales who go and play in the Queensland Cup and go and play for, like, the Titans and things like that. And I'm like, I get it. I understand, like, what he's aiming for, but I don't know that it's the right thing to, at the very least, say out loud. Yeah, and particularly because, I, I look, I may also be slightly one-eyed uh, when I say this, but, like, the beautiful thing about the Knights is like it's a it's a one team town mm-hmm. and everyone in Newcastle goes for the Knights mm-hmm. and it's such and uh you know I think it was like Blocker was once said you know you knew when you went to Newcastle you were in for a tough time because 
like the whole town is behind their boys. Yeah. And like I know, again, it sounds weird coming from a Sydney-based supporter. Um, but it's also one of my favorite things about going to up like up to New East for games because it's a little bit like coming home. Yeah. Because I walk into that stadium and I'm like, I'm like, these are my people. And and they're playing for their area, not for someone who lives seven hours away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get it. I totally get it. But you know, everything's fine. Just us to see you. Yeah, everything's fine. We have we have another five year plan. Yeah. Um, oh, we've got to the end of the last. We've got to the last to the end of this five year plan, and nothing's changed. So it's fine, guys, because we've got another five year plan uh, to become a top four team. Okay. Um, yeah, it was it was not great reading. <laughs> No, I, I feel like the only good thing that could come out of them having so much money allegedly is that they maybe start giving everyone five bucks to as they come in the gates for having to deal with two hours of their life being lost, watching Connor Watson play his 15th position this year. And, like, like tickets aren't cheap to go to a night game either. No. I've, no. I've been a terrible fan because it's like a – five, six-hour round trip, not including the game, just for me to go to one. Mm-hmm. And then I get there and it's 50 bucks to get in. Mm-hmm. And you watch that. I'm like, I've put more effort on the F3 getting up here than you put in on the field. Yeah. And it makes it really hard to be bothered. Yeah, I get it. And, that like, people that don't know, that trip – The trip to get from Sydney, if you live in Sydney, to go up through up to Newcastle, I feel like it's the most horrible drive. It it can either go really well or really badly. Like I, I went up to Newcastle yesterday, Mm -hmm. um, and the M1 was closed Mm -hmm. about two exits before the um, link road into Newcastle. So I had to like back go the back way into Newcastle and it added an extra hour and a half to my trip. Yeah. Like if one thing, the number of times we've got caught in like bushfires and stuff on that trip. Yeah. And it's awful. It either goes really well and you get it like two hours on the dot or you, you live there now. Yeah. And, and the other thing is too, like that's taking out of it times when there might be an accident and it's like, okay, I need to sit here for hours and hours and hours and there's no alternative. Yeah. Like, it, this is the road and <laughs> it's the way through. And, you know, the the one I hate is getting just onto the motorway when you're eventually onto that, the, the way up to Newcastle because they're just the worst roads, you know. They're just, you know, and, like, that's, yeah, if like, you're not familiar with the area, they've opened a new tunnel mm-hmm. um, and then there's about three like arterial roads all join the F3 at the set, like within a hundred meters of each other mm. and it's chaos. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It just, yeah. Just getting onto the F3 can be a battle. Cause you got to wind your way through Sydney and then get there. And then you get on the F3 and then you're at the mercy of the traffic gods. <laughs> and if anything goes wrong, well then you're stuck. Yeah. You're completely stuck. It's like, you might literally be able to sit there open the car doors, feed out the car doors, just waiting. We've, we've had to do that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, can't they just have, like, the jaws of life chop it in for this poor soul that's down the road from us? Jeez. 
Now, um, I wrote an article earlier this week about alternative origin venues, and the second one on my list was the Newcastle Knights Stadium. My first one was I, I felt like if they could work it out, uh, and this is if they have to move origin from Melbourne, which it feels like they're going to. They might actually be announcing it as we're doing this podcast. But I, I said the first one that would be really cool would be to play at Eden Park in Auckland. Oh. The second one on my list was Newcastle Knights Stadium, the uh, McDonald Jones Stadium. Do you think that it would be a good venue for origin? Yes, obviously. <laughs> like I'm going to say anything else. <laughs> I know, I was asking some advice. Do you think that they, they could get any sort of te- – because I've never been to McDonald Jones Stadium. <gasps> Mc- um, McDonald Jones Stadium – we still have hills. We still have grass hills. Yeah. Which I – like, I love a grass hill. I mean, I grew up on I, – I, the North Hill was where we went – like, I went as a kid. That's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And I – I'm a staunch supporter of Hills, and I reckon it'd be fantastic to have Hills at an Origin game. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a while. I, I think Old Lang Park still had some Hills. From, Back in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, so you th- do you reckon that there's there would be some sort of capacity to get some extra temporary seating in there somewhere? Uh, maybe, maybe on the corners. Mm. Um, probably not. Oh, I don't. No, I don't think so. See, that's the thing. Like, I, the only way I feel like they could have maybe done it is if you put some seating behind the hills. But behind the hills, they've got a lot of stuff. They've got. Um, they do have like demountables there that are now permanent. Okay. Um, and it's like where the old commentary boxes and stuff used to be when they were changing this uh, rebuilding the stadium yeah uh, and but at the back of those those fall off pretty steeply okay there's not a lot of room you sort of fall off down into uh like the admission gates on one side and down into the car park on the other side oh, there you go. yeah so there's not much room to go back yeah yeah because I, 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 I think newcastle fans would be excited to have a good match I, can you imagine that the whole place would go nuts? It would be. It would. It'd be like, oh, my God, good footy back in Newcastle. Bring it. <laughs> I feel like they're going to do the most boring option, which is just to play the game in, like, Brisbane or Sydney. I think that's what they're going to do. But, it, yeah. like, it it would be cool, as I wrote, if they took what is a really rotten situation for the rugby league, all of them, the gate takings they'd lose and turn it into a super huge positive, but and I understand them just taking the easy option, like you know that. I think Eden take, Park's a good shout. Oh, Eden Park would be the same sort of thing. The only bad thing about Eden Park, I think, is you would have to coordinate it with the uh, New Zealand government pretty closely, and I feel as though it might be a fly-in, fly-out situation just to keep the players in that bubble scenario. Um, yeah. And the other thing is the kickoff time. I feel like they would have to kick off at say eight thirty Kiwi time. I think that would be uh, seven thirty PM kickoff time over here. I think. Well, I mean they've managed to do it with Perth. Yeah, true. They managed to coordinate that with Perth. Uh, I th- yeah, Eden. 
Park, because particularly because the Warriors are now committed again to staying in Australia. Mm. And uh, I don't know if you were last week, Wellington Phoenix played their first home game back yeah. in New Zealand. After and they two, had a huge and crowd. They went mental. Yeah. And I just, yeah, and I, on my, my show I do on a Saturday morning, we've spoken about, I think the Warriors put, uh, saying that they wanted to, if all they played their away games across New Zealand next season, mm-hmm. not so not at their home, and everyone went over to New Zealand, and like that sounds like a brilliant idea. And yeah, um, I can't remember. It wasn't Blandy's, the other one, um, the Andrew NRL, Rundle? like oh, possibly, like scoffed at the idea. Oh, and I you? think, yeah, and I think it was. It, it's just like such a slap in the face to Warriors fans and rugby league fans in New Zealand yeah. because they've not had their team now for two seasons. And yeah, something like an origin, you know, just like a little, like we haven't forgotten you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, I, we did a, an episode. It might've been midway through last year where we said the, the New Zealand Warriors should not have to play outside of New Zealand for two years. And it was the exact yeah. same scenario where you have your home games in Auckland and all of the away games are just across New Zealand, even yeah. play games in the Pacific Islands if you want to. Um, it, it should be totally up to them. But, you know, the NRL, it's they're only thinking about what happens in the next five minutes, it seems like. Yeah, um, I think it just because it was a... The, the, I wouldn't say that they're everyone's second team, but particularly last season when everything happened so fast and they did all make um, the sacrifice to come over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many people were buying up Warriors memberships to help the club out. And I think there is a little bit of sympathy for the team and for their fans, yeah. you know, understanding that, like, you know, what they did did sort of save the competition last season. Yeah, and 100%. Anything to, like, say thank you. I wouldn't, as much as I hate traveling origin matches, they annoy me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't oppose one in Eden Park. Good shout. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be cool. Um, now let's change tack a little bit because there was some really interesting news. I saw, I think it was a couple of days ago now where the FFA had signed a deal with channel 10 and a new streaming service, which I believe is called Paramount plus to and then so they're moving the a league and the w league away from fox sports which is a big step i think for for everyone involved 15 years it's been a fox sport so yeah and and it feels like that when they went to having the a league it was with the backing of fox sports saying like we see what you're doing we're gonna back it and now they're sort of you know letting go of the hand that was guiding them for a long time but something something needed to change, didn't it? Because the A-League has gone from being, you know, I understand in the first few, well, more than the first few seasons, probably the first eight seasons, going pretty well, pretty healthy. But in the last number of years, it feels like it's dropping off pretty dramatically. And this year, it, it feels like something's really wrong. Something had to change, didn't it? Yeah. And because you're, you're not, like, as across as A-League as you're, one, like yeah. an, an NRL man, aren't you? 100%. Yeah, like I, um, I think the last time we were talking um, about, about, and I still call it soccer, and you're cool with that, which is great. 
Um, we were talking about soccer for quite a long time, and I said to you, if I say something stupid, stop me <laughs> and let me know. So I'm I'm 100% a very very far 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 distant viewer of of what's going on in the A League. Because this has been because it, you ask like any A League fan about the state of the game, uh, and which was highlighted when uh, Western United a few weeks ago only had like 900 people at their game, and there was this big thing like the A League's dying. Mm. This has been one of the best A League seasons in recent years. Really, it has been particularly the first half of the season yeah. was just fantastic. Yeah, and. Like, but unless you you follow the game religiously, you wouldn't know that. Wow! And yeah, because all the because all the the attention has like been on the negatives, which is also a running theme with I'll, I'll go soccer for your uh, soccer in this country. It's always negative, mm-hmm. and it like Fox Fox Sports were like very important in like its launch and whatever, but it's probably good that there's going to be new life breathed into it that because they it has felt like they've not been putting as much energy into it as it deserves. Okay. And it has the potential to be a really great product if it's just treated kindly. Now do you think that Bringing in uh, Western United, I think it's weird. Whenever I see WU on the screen, I'm like, who the hell are they? Western think- United is a fantastic team because it's two adjectives and tells you no, like you have no idea where this team is from. Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> I know somebody's United and they're in the West somewhere, whereas oh, yeah. they're in Melbourne. Like what the yeah, hell? Yeah, they're in they're in West Melbourne. They they joined this the competition last season. They played in Geelong because their stadium. Still hasn't been built. Um, they are supposed to be in Western Melbourne, but they're currently playing, I think they're at Amy Park now. Yeah. Um, it's a very weird situation. Uh, like how do you create this stadium like, even begun being built? No, no. I, so. I think like first plan, like there were plans released quite recently. But yeah, how do you build an identity for a club that doesn't have like A, a home stadium, B, no one knows where they're actually supposed to be? Mm. And and so, do you think that they were brought in, like maybe three or four seasons too early? Uh, I know. I think uh, they were. Uh, the location is wrong. Okay. There was because there were the two if the two locations that probably would have done really well would have been um, Canberra, which already have. Canberra United in the W League because Canberra's been screaming out for a team in something else for years. They wanted, yeah. they went for the AFL franchise, it went to GWS. Same with the netball, went to GWS. And both uh, those teams have like, I think the AFL like Canberra written on the back of their jerseys and they play a number of games in Canberra. Yeah, it's, hilar- it's hilarious. And I've been it's, down there when they play and it's like, it, it, they make zero impact in, in yeah. Canberra when they're playing. And Canberra has been screaming out for another team in in another sport for years, and because they've they've already got a, like a team in Canberra United, as I said, mm. and the other one is Wollongong with the Wollongong Wolves. Mm. Uh, there's who play in MPL. They were another one who fans I think would have really got around, mm. and the Wellington Phoenix were actually playing out of Wollongong. 
while they were based in Australia. Mm. And when they played their home matches, they played in red, um, sort of in homage to the Wolves. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, which was a nice touch. Yeah. And I just think the location was really wrong because we now have like three Melbourne teams and three Sydney teams and it's just an oversaturation in a market that's already struggling. Yeah, and like with the MacArthur FC and when they were announced, I felt personally I and this and once again, very, very looking at it from afar, I felt like they were maybe three years too early. For the simple fact of like, I'm still trying to get used to thinking that, and I don't live in the MacArthur, I live in in Penrith, that I'm still trying to get used to the fact that the West Sydney Wanderers are the team that represents my area. And I feel like there would be a lot of people that were in the MacArthur region who, just as they're starting to get used to that fact, now they've got a brand new team and... Uh, like my understanding is they actually have gone pretty well this year. Is that right? Yeah, they're, they're not doing too bad. Uh, mm. Well, it's Wanderers used to play when they when they were good. They used to qualify for the Asian Champions League, mm. and they used to play those matches out at Campbelltown. Okay. Not in Parramatta, and so they really sort of like they tried to bring in that area because the other thing is I forget that Macarthur is like quite a populated region now. Yeah. Because it's like there's a lot of new estates out there and to me it's still like that Camden area is still country. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like I I I forget that it's like the development there has been immense in the last sort of 10 15 years. And so Western Sydney really tried to dig into that area. And they they held off on the MacArthur MacArthur only joined this season and they it, the reason they didn't join at the same time as Western United was Wanderers were moving back into their, back into Bankwest. Mm-hmm. Because ask any Wanderers fans, and we'll tell you that the time we spent at Sydney Olympic Park were the lost years. It was awful. It was just an awful experience that we will never talk about again. Mm-hmm. And so we moved into Bankwest, and it was like Wanderers had a season to rebuild the fortress that used to be Parramatta Stadium, and it just didn't go to plan. No. They were didn't even make finals, haven't made finals this season. Well, mathematically, it's still possible, but it's not going to happen. And uh, there's a like, Wanderers fans out in those MacArthur regions and now like have, have jumped ship towards MacArthur. And they're actually pulling good crowds like <laughs> for a new team. Uh, the Cowbells need to go. Uh, they have they ring cow, Cowbells throughout the game. And like, that needs to stop. Uh, but I think they're probably on track more so for success because they've got a stadium in Campbelltown as well. Yeah. yeah. Than like Western United. And it's like, it's weird because I remember when they built Bankwest Stadium and it was, there was a lot of media that was coming out from the developers and the government and stuff. And it was like, a lot of it was for the, you know, it was the West Sydney Wanderers, you know, it yep. wasn't just the Parramatta Eels. And so when the stadium was opened, you kind of were thinking, and Parramatta fans, they sort of did their bit, they'd fill it up. But once again, their team was going pretty well at the time. And you kind of were waiting for the same sort of thing from the West Sydney Wanderers. And it just it just hasn't worked for them. And it's like, oh, man. And it, that feels like the story of the A-League in a lot of ways is that, 
just when you think things are going to go right, they don't quite seem to work yeah. out. Yeah, because the Wanderers, they they came to the competition. They so the way, if I'm explaining things to you, you already know. I do apologize, but so you have like the premiers play, and then you have the grand final winners. So mm-hmm. because it's Australia, so like you have the team who comes first uh, at the end of the regular season, like every other football competition in the world. Yep. But then because it's Australia, we then play a final series. <laughs> yeah, and Wanderers were came like came first like three seasons in a row their first three seasons and then just like and made the grand oh no they they didn't come first I think they came first in their first season but then we made the grand final for the first three seasons and we lost each grand final yeah uh but we are the still the only Australian team to win the Asian Championship League Mm -hmm. and so like they would pull 20 people and it, the, the wonder of success and their crowds were a really big catalyst for Parramatta stadium being rebuilt. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was one of the like major driving factors apart from the fact it was an awful stadium. It was, it was the fact that this really successful team was now sharing it, that they had to, because that's, you have to remember at the time as well, the eels weren't great. Yeah. That would, yeah, they were uh, pretty average. And the thing which, was too, like within the designs, they actually designed the ends of the stadium to have standing seating. Like it was yes, very specific. which are brilliant. Yeah, it wasn't like they said, oh, we're building a football stadium and the Eels are going to be there, but also the Wanderers are going to be there. It was like they were an integral part of it. Yeah, it was It was really because this brilliant team um, were playing there and then it's all fallen apart for the Wanderers mm. in those years. And the others, when they were playing at, uh, Sydney Olympic, the whole rhetoric that time was it will get better when we move into our new stadium. It'll get better when we move into a new stadium. Like, mm-hmm. hold on for two or three years. When we get to Bankwest, it'll be fine. And there was sort of that belief that that would happen last season and then it didn't. And it's it's just opened the door for a team like MacArthur to come in and sort of steal those fans who mm-hmm. would have had to have made, you know, that hour trip to the stadium being like, Hey guys, we have a team that's at your doorstep. It's uh now this TV deal. First of all, they're going to need some commentators. I don't know if you know that. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we Sign better see you. We better see you. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's an absolute no brainer. Simon Hill. That is the most if, – if they're going to get A-League fans on side, because that's the other thing. This is now another subscription that A-League fans have to sign up for. Mm. And I think, I think it's $5.99 a month with Paramount Plus. That's um, plus, Yeah, plus. But if you're paying that just for A-League and then mm. there is this free-to-air game, which is something that the Fox Sports contract doesn't have at the yeah. moment, yeah. Um, this free-to-air game with 10, if you're going to get fans on side and sign up, you have to get Simon Hill on board. That is an absolute no-brainer. Yeah. Simon Hill and Jessica Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> the dream team. Yeah. The two pillars of Australian football. Um, I, uh, oh. Look, I like to think I am somewhat professional, but if I was in a booth with Simon Hill, I would be a mess. 
I've had it. I've had. I've spent all of like ten minutes with Simon, who is the loveliest human on the planet. Oh, that's um, nice. And uh, he probably thinks I'm a moron. <laughs> oh, are you are uh, the women's World Cup? Yes, yeah. bring it. Yeah. I'm. I'm. My 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 cousin uh, is getting married at that time in England, and I oh. said, and I'm a bridesmaid, and I sent her the dates and said. I'm not joking, but if you plan your wedding within these dates, I will not be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I, I am. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Women's World Cup too because I know somebody that is going to be commentating some of the games. I won't say a name on this podcast, <laughs> but I'm hoping she can get me some free tickets or something. That'd be really nice if she's, you know, just in. Um, That's not the poison touch. We'll see what yeah. we can do. Yes. Oh man, I, lo- I love this idea that you're like, yeah, and I'm gonna need a couple of extra tickets <laughs> just for you know somebody I know. You know? Um, yeah, it's name at League Freak. <laughs> yeah, name at League Freak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, how much of an impact do you think that that's gonna have? on the Australian game overall? Like, I know it's going to have a big effect on the women's game, um, but do you think that it's going to have a flow-on effect to the men's game as well? God, I hope so. Australia really oh, – sorry, the, the, now the FA, mm. um, which is really confusing with the English FA. But so ridiculous. The, yeah, Football Australia really dropped the ball uh, when Australia won the um, – Asian, like the Asian Championship. Yeah, yeah. In 2015, we yeah. hosted, like we we had the final, we hosted it. It was such, it was like you know, like the first trophy Australia had really won, mm-hmm. and they just completely dropped the ball in using that momentum to build a brilliant product. Because if you look at that, the A League has gone downhill since then. Yeah. Uh, there is, and you'd hope that they have learnt from those mistakes. And will use the Women's World Cup as a catalyst for bringing in more people. And I think it's it's as like cause we had that horrendous failed bid for um, the Men's World Cup a few years ago. Yeah. I I don't I think it's good that we're going to have the women's first because the Matildas are so loved. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a research company called True North who they one of the they do a quarterly survey of which teams have the most emotional connection with their fans mm-hmm. and the Matildas consistently come out on top being like all the men's teams like it's always the Matildas mm-hmm. and they just connect with their fans and I think gender like obviously plays a big part in that mm-hmm. and they're successful as well yeah yeah <laughs> Hell, and not only are we successful but we now have players this has been a really sort of watershed moment for Australian football, women's football, because this season we've had so many players playing in the biggest teams in the world in Europe. Yeah. It's like the first we've always, we've had players consistently in like the U S but now we have them um, particularly in England. You know, obviously Sam Kerr just won the golden boot um, in England. She now holds the golden boot for Australia, the U S and England. Um, Yeah. Like she's, she's pretty all right. That's Sam Kerr. When's she uh, going to get the overall one, the FIFA one? The, the goal, um, Ballon d'Or. Yeah. 
there's this there's a, there's a conspiracy against Sam Kerr because was it two years ago she wasn't even named as a like in the shortlist for the best Asian player of the no year. Way. Yeah. She was either getting in the top three. It was super bizarre. There is a conspiracy against Sam Kerr and I will die on this hill. <laughs> and yeah, I just learn from the mistakes of 2015 and use mm. it to really build the game and show that, you know, there's a not that it is a loved sport. It's a loved sport in the world. Yeah. In a, but Australia, for some reason, is just so allergic to it. Yeah, I think, look, I, I like, because this is, a, all of a sudden, you just stepped into a giant, like, <laughs> yes. we could do, like, two hours just on this. <laughs> um, it's an interesting one because I think it's a little bit like basketball in that you can turn on the TV and watch the best in the world. Yeah. And it's hard to get people to then watch the local competition because, you're fighting against that. Like, uh, yeah. you know, you, you see how many teams have a an NBA. If you said, what's your favourite basketball team? They'll say an NBA team. Same thing in soccer. It's like, what's your favourite soccer team? And they'll all say somebody usually in Europe. Yeah. And I feel like they, they the two sports kind of have the same sort of problem. Whereas I think if you're, watch, if you're a, a rugby league fan, the best rugby league competition is yeah. in Australia. And that's yep. the problem. I think that's where Australia has. And it's also a thing of like the Socceroos were starting to get to a point where they were able to, you know, go toe to toe with those teams that were, say, you know, and I'm ver being very generalised here, like 10 to 20, you know, they, yep. could, they could have games there. And they maybe on their day could scare the teams in the top 10, maybe not the top five. Whereas now, and it feels like they've fallen right off of that. Well, you look, you you look at that golden generation, the two thousand and six Socceroos, mm. and you look at where those players were playing at the time. Mm -hmm. They were all in like the top leagues around in Europe. They were most of them were playing in Europe. I mean, yeah, fuel at you know Liverpool, um, Schwarzer at Middlesbrough. Um, the Duker at Leeds, that kind of thing. And then you look at now where they're playing and I think that the best we got is Matty Ryan was on the bench for Arsenal. Yeah. Well, and, that makes as question. a goalkeeper, which meant he never got a game. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that discrepancy in like where the you can't compete with the best if you're not playing against the best at a club level. It's impossible. It's completely impossible. Yeah. And and that makes me question, like, because when the A-League was brought in, and once again, like, if anyone w watches the A-League and they're listening to me talk and they're like, he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It, when, when the A-League was brought in, there was a, a feeling of, like, we'll have the young players to a point and then they'll go to, to Europe. And I wonder if just that little slither where they are coming into the A-League that when they would normally go straight to Europe at that point, if that is just a development gap that it's just too big for them, where, um, you know, clubs in Europe are like, well, first of all, these players, we, we wanted to get them about, you know, four or five years younger than this if we want them as a junior in Europe. 
And secondly, we're watching them in a senior competition now. And they're all right, but they're not better than our juniors that we've got. Is that a problem that we have? I think so. And a lot of our players don't go to Europe anymore. They tend to go to Asia. Okay. Um, or like Saudi Arabia or those types. Of, Turkey's a really big one, which I know is Europe mm-hmm. in terms of a football sense. Um, they they tend to go there now, not to like the Bundesliga or Premier League or even the Championship. Yeah. Um, which I will argue to my dying day is one of the best competitions in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, there's they don't because there's so much more money than there was 20 years ago when the only place you could go was Europe. Now there's so much money in, in like China and Japan. Mm. They tend to go there as well. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, you could be a millionaire player. No one in Australia really knows about because you're playing maybe in the Chinese league and it's, it's great. It's great overall for the game, but it, it, for the pathways for Australian players, it's, not what was working to a point. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. It's you look. I mean, you look at the team lists, and there's like quite a few A League players um, in the team at the. That's just been called up because we've got some World Cup qualifiers mm-hmm. uh, coming up, and you know there's a lot of like A League players in there, which I mean is great for the domestic league, but mm-hmm. they've been so sheltered in this A League. Mm-hmm. that then they go on to, uh, like, you know, against the best in the world and they just can't compete. Yeah. Which we saw at the last World Cup. Yeah. And also, I also feel like for general sports fans in Australia, every so often we like to slay a dragon. And <laughs> with that golden age of the team, it, it was like this for years and years and years. And we slayed the dragon. We got to the World Cup. And then we got to the World Cup again, and it's like, yeah, but we got to the World Cup before, you know? And so yeah. there's not this dragon that's there to be slayed because it's still in our memories that we got to the World Cup. And yeah. I feel as though that's hurt soccer's um, ability to break into the to the mainstream thought process as well in Australia. Like, you think about that night uh, against Uruguay in 2005 oh. when we qualified for the World Cup, and that is – it doesn't matter even if you're, you know – like yourself who doesn't really follow football, mm. it's still it's still a moment sort of everyone remembers. Mm-hmm. Like the whole country just stopped for, you know, Aloisi's penalty. Mm-hmm. Whereas I was I was at um the last qualifications for the World Cup in Russia when we played Honduras. And it just like don't get me wrong, I was excited and I lost my mind, but there wasn't that sense of like unity across the country yeah. that we in a World Cup. It was like football fans were excited and we were, you know, ready for it. But outside of that, there wasn't the same um, excitement. Yeah, and it's funny because when we didn't have to go through uh, beating like the – I can't remember if it was the like fifth or sixth place South American team. Mm-hmm. Um, like we knew how terribly difficult that was and – you know, Uruguay, funnily enough, become the bad guy for Australia, yeah. little old Uruguay. And, you know, I mean, I, I even watched the game that they played in Uruguay. Like, you know, and as you say, I'm not a diehard soccer fan by any stretch of the imagination, but it was like 
this is our target as a sporting nation. We have to do this. And when we eventually did it, and it was absolutely insane. And even when we we were at that World Cup that we'd qualified for, it was absolutely incredible. And there were so many awesome stories that come out of that World Cup for us. And there was a lot of excitement even back in Australia because, you know, you had all the viewing places that you mm. could go and watch it. You know, they set up screens in the middle of cities and and I don't really remember that happening for Russia. <laughs> no, I don't think it did. Like I remember they, yeah, those viewings and people were turning up in thousands to to be there and it was – and then the next time it come around and it was like – it was weird. It was I found it very strange myself because I was like – we're back here again. Like, why mm. isn't everyone as excited about it? It's very weird. And and also that, I mean, the World Cup in South Africa in 2010, in 2010 you know, we got beat by, like, Germany 4-0 in, like, our first game or something. Mm. And I think that sort of set the tone, set the tone for the next 11 years where we don't get excited. There's that understanding that the players just aren't playing for the same sort of club the same caliber of club that they were with that golden generation and you know yeah we've qualified for the world cup but there's no real excitement because we don't expect to get out of the group stages whereas because we got you know we got within what 10 minutes of getting past italy who went on to win it in 2006 yeah and we were screwed (laughs) screwed by fifa that was our world cup trophy damn it but you're right like we were we were like we felt like we'd got to a level there, and yes, and, and yeah. it was this excitement that we could build on it, and it was you know it was it was going to be brilliant, and it just never panned out that way as it has with football in this country for the past hundred years. Yeah, and then we go into the next World Cup, and it's like, oh, it's over already for us, basically. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I like the, I think people only thing people really remember from that World Cup was that screamer of a goal Cahill scored against the Netherlands. Yes. Um, in a match that didn't matter. Yeah. Ugh. Can you imagine right. if he had been in that just – if he had been at the level he was in that World Cup but in the oh. previous World Cup? Oh, oh man. Oh, don't go there. Don't oh. go there. It's fine. We got um we got the best World Cup song out of South Africa in uh, Waka Waka by Shakira. It's fine. That's all we need. <laughs> I can't remember that. Hey, the only thing I remember <laughs> from South Africa was we were disappointing oh. and the drone of Vuvuzela's yeah. – yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, well, just, just to move and you, you just make that sound around any football fan, and they'll immediately um curl up into a ball. <laughs> and it went on for like a few years afterwards around yeah. the world. Oh. I, rem- I, I remember watching the the Australia Germany match, and it was on at about like five o'clock in the morning or something, and I got up to watch it and genuinely thought there was something wrong with my TV. <laughs> what is this sound? <laughs> I remember when, like, it was being explained mm. after the game, and like, and I can't remember who it was, but it was somebody on a, a sport. It might have been on Fox Sports, I guess, but they had one, and they were like, "Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a soccer cultural thing in South Africa, and it's really cool and it adds atmosphere." And I'm thinking, "No, sure. it's stupid. They're dumb. What yeah. are they doing?" Yeah. It's funny how like World Cup introduces you to thing because the next World Cup in Brazil was the first time that the referees started using the foam to like mark out free kicks and stuff. Yeah. 
no one explained that to the fans, so it just looked like the referee had lost the plot, <laughs> like drawing on like the the, um, the field. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that was weird when you first saw that. Huh? <laughs> yeah, what are they doing? <laughs> uh, see, I prefer you know the the intricacies of English soccer, where you know you just throw coins at players. That's more. <laughs> some of the nicer things that I've seen thrown at players. I, I know. I'm trying to calm it down. I don't want to get in trouble. You know what it's like. Oh, man. Well, I shouldn't keep you all afternoon because I've had you on for a long time now and I know you've got things to do, but it's always awesome to talk to you. It's always awesome to get your opinions on the nights and uh, it's always really cool to talk about soccer with you as well because I always learn something and and you always set me straight on basically everything I say. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, where can we hear you? Because I know that you do uh, uh, some some shows with Clutch Radio, I believe it's called. Yes. Uh, I am Saturday mornings. We do the Saturday show uh, mm-hmm. at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. So where we talk pretty much about every sport. Um, we end also about our... Um, lives mm-hmm. uh so yeah that's that's always a lot of fun two hours 10 at 10 to 12 usually on clutch radio yeah uh which is online uh online streaming so that's a lot of fun and hopefully we'll be uh hitting super netball as well we'll be i'll be on call for for those games very oh, soon nice yeah that's pretty cool where did they play the super netball games at in sydney uh so I'll, hopefully i'll be doing the swiss game and uh we will be at Ken Roseville Arena at Sydney Olympic Park. They've put a fantastic roof on that and converted it into netball courts as well. Is that the, so really, is the, the, the tennis, tennis courts? Yes, tennis courts are now being also used for the netball. Wow, that's pretty cool. That is what yeah. that, that must be a really cool arena for netball. Actually, like perfect for it. It is. It is because they've been they they played it. Um, they're at Kudos, which like is is it's good. But if they don't get the crowds, they do shut the top tier off and it can get a little bit echoey in there. Yeah. Uh, and ugh, the now defunct the entertainment centre they're at, which was like the same story. But Ken, Roll, Ken Roswell is really intimate and it's mm-hmm. a fantastic, a fantastic arena. It's a lot of fun. You, you feel how, like you're on top of the action. How do you go switching between sports when you're commentating? Uh, I, I, I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah, it it can be hard, Um, particularly, like, with the netball. For some reason, when I go from, like, netball to – not that I call rugby league, but, like, even just watching rugby league, um, when they start running with the ball, I'm like, no, that's a step. Um, (laughs) For, like, the first couple of minutes, like, oh, wait, no, different sport, never mind. Um, No, it's good. It keeps me on my toes, that's for damn sure. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, means it means that um, I have an excuse to watch – a lot more sport though like well it's my job <laughs> yeah it's not not a bad job eh? <laughs> yeah pretty good we'll, we'll take it um where else can we find you like uh on twitter uh my twitter is uh jessica teneal t-e-n-e-a-l yep. um i'm on there usually usually crying about the nights yeah That's... very if anybody doesn't know lots of anger very very <laughs> angry <laughs> a lot of anger a lot of sarcasm a lot of resignation to my fate 
Um, yeah, it really is. There's so much resignation. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, every time I think I, I've found true happiness, I remember um, who I support. And that's not just the Knights, but also uh, the Wanderers and uh, Middlesbrough, God bless them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just that, oh, no, I'll never experience true happy because there'll always be someone there to disappoint me. Um, uh, there's yeah. Sometimes I'll be watching a Knights game and I'll think, man, Jessica must not be watching this. Night. She must, be, And then there'll just be a random post that you put up like 60 minutes in and it's just <laughs> resignation. And it's like, oh, no, she's just like in a fetal position watching this game. Yeah. That's been. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I go through phases where I'll like have a thousand tweets in like 10 minutes um, and then other times it will just be too awful and I can't formulate words. Um, or what I want to say, um, I cannot. So they just don't go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trust me, yeah, it's the right thing of... to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's usually just a lot of sarcasm. Nothing I say is ever too serious. No. Um, it always makes me makes me laugh when someone replies with a really like serious um, like reply. And I'm yeah. like, wow, you must be new here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> everything I say is in sarcasm. Is sarcastic. <laughs> It is funny when you post something that's sarcastic and, and then someone, like, tries to break down, like, the, you know, the left edge attack or something and you're like, dude, I'm just here for the lols, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like, really? Like, go through like, all of my tweets and you'll find that I have never, like, written anything serious on this page ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is weird when that happens. <laughs> well, we'll so, get and- you back. We'll get you back on soon enough. Well, I'd say that we'd get you back on when the Knights win the next game, but, jeez. Wow. If you don't want to have me back, just say so. <laughs> uh, see, this is why we have uh, Nadine on a lot, because I get her on when the Panthers win, and we're just always on every week. So, you know what that's like. Well, not really, but anyway. Um, <laughs> I changed my mind. I'm never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So look, thank you, thank you for coming on. It is always awesome to have you on. We always have a really good chin wag, and uh, everyone, give Jessica a follow. Go and listen to her on Clutch Radio. It's a great station, great people involved in it, and uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I can't wait until the next time. <laughs> the therapy session. <laughs>